bonus episode of That's What G Said podcast. This one is just a recap of the book of Boba Fett episode three. The way the schedule had played out this week, there was Monday racing, there was some extra stuff on Monday with the NFL, so we had had so much stuff over the week and weekend that uh, if we waited any longer to put out an episode with you know, some of the racing for later in the week, by the time we re- we would have released the Book of Boba Fett uh, episode discussion with Matt, the next episode would have already come out. So I wanted to make sure just to get this out to everybody so you can have plenty of time to listen to it before episode four of Book of Boba Fett. Later on in the week, we'll have like normal Thursday, Sam Houston. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. There might be a an extra additional live stream. There'll be a couple extra DRF videos using the past performances. We're going to have some Wednesday Penn National, some Wednesday Gulfstream. We're going to get into Thursday Sam Houston. We'll get into Friday Sam Houston, Saturday Sam Houston. We'll also get into the big weekend stakes. We'll have Santa Anita for you all weekend long, every day they're racing there. And then we'll have this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll get into the NFL. I'm going to have a couple different guests on to talk NFL with us this week. Eric will be back to help us preview all the playoff games, but one or two more because NFL, we're going to have another big round of playoffs coming up this weekend. But this episode is all about Boba Fett, episode three of the book of Boba Fett. It's our deep dive. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Matt Velasco helps me out and we get into everything from episode three of book of Boba Fett. We talk about episodes one and two. We also talk about how, um, you know, this interacts with other Star Wars movies, other Star Wars shows through the years. Spoiler alert on everything Star Wars. It's the deep dive for episode three of the book of Boba Fett. It is time for our deep dive recap and review of episode three, the book of Boba Fett. This episode is titled The Streets of Mos Espa. And Matt Velasco is here with us again to talk about this one. Matt, I would say of the three, this one has been the most negatively received from just kind of the stuff that I've read and looked at other recaps and reviews and stuff. And I think people, and I think maybe it was a, a little bit of, you know, a couple things we'll get into when we do, but. Coming off of a longer episode, I think the length of this one was just like noticeably short. It seemed like it mm. really didn't get even getting going into that much. We established a few new things here and there, and and some things that I liked, but um, it's not as if I I'm I'm not enjoying the what I'm watching. I just a lot of a lot more critiques about this particular episode, I think, than than the first two that we've had. Yeah, this episode, um, and I'm just gonna. I'm going to jump off right at the bat had felt like a bunch of kids playing with action figures. Like you're suddenly introduced to some new action figures. There isn't really much of a, a a story for why these we'll talk about them. Street urchins dress the way they do, why they ride the bikes they ride. Uh, Then suddenly your friend has to leave with their hut action figures, but some other friend has a rancor action figure. So let's play with that. And it just felt like, why, you know, why are we moving from A to B to C to D? I I didn't, I don't know what, there must be an end game here. Mm -hmm. And my, my kind of hope is that this episode was to move some pieces around in the chessboard. And it was, you know, it's growing pains. Um, But it's, it's such a weak link. I I mean, I can't emphasize. (laughs) I agree. No, as a stand, as a standalone. My least favorite. Star yeah. Wars television episode. So yeah, no doubt about it. Of of the Mandalorian stuff and like even of the of the recent Marvel stuff, this just this particular episode felt 
just got very weak. Like you were saying, there were you you hit it perfectly. To me, I kept thinking of it as this. Just the some of the parts aren't good in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Some some things individually that you're like, oh, okay, I like this, and we'll get into it. Like, I don't know if I liked or thought was weird the Boba Fett relationship with the Rancor. I did start to sort of enjoy it, but it is hilarious that Boba Fett's like scratching this guy's face, you know, like you would yeah. our dog, and like, hey, buddy, you know, he's like talking to him and like baby talk almost, you know, you know, it's like what. Yeah. But there, and I mean, obviously, you know, when a uh, machete is in here, shout out to Danny Trejo. That's all. That's always a great, uh, a great pull. And there were yeah. some funny moments and some good stuff here and there. But overall, um, the let's talk about one thing that's been sort of polarizing to the chase scene in the oh. uh, towards the end, which comes off of the last week when we were just singing the praises so much of the train heist. Not or. Right. Not only was last week's action sequence so fully realized and exhilarating, the show itself last week showed us different speeds. Like Boba is saying, you want to see how fast the train goes. And so you as an audience are being calibrated into the I mean, you've watched a lot of Star Wars. You already kind of get a sense of the need for speed in Star Wars. But coming off an episode where different forms of speed were were kind of taught to us to have this nearly like what felt like slow motion, there was just something really off about the rendering of it. Um, it was like, um, you know, it reminded me of the Roger Rabbit ride at Disneyland. You know, when <laughs> yeah. the major domo, the way he's driving the, the car in the front, it's like you can't turn. The wheels are like going out and then in it's literally like the way that that ride is is like you're spinning and spinning and spinning and then you're just like on this track. It was such a contrast to how, like you said, the speed is the one thing that was just immediately noticeable. I mean, you're just and I read that some people sort of kind of counter to that was and and I get it. It was well, there were a lot of. Little easter eggs in the background that they wanted you to see Throughout the chase So if they're flying by You're not going to be able to pick up this droid here Or this little thing here Or this thing you know. But it was it was very poorly done And like you said It was in such a contrast to last week That it just it didn't even feel like the same type of show Honestly with that scene yeah. Compared to the seriousness Of the train scene last week yeah, it's there's you know it's something we'll talk about, and I think you know what happens with criticism often in my experience with like film or television criticism is when when a story is emotionally or like engaging when you're in it, you forgive a lot of little sins, right? But when you're out of it, you're just seeing this like carcass of a plot, and it's so easy to pick at. And so part of it, you know, I think I need to check myself. I'm going to really go, (laughs) I'm going to really go hard (laughs) on some of my criticisms. But I think part of it is just because I didn't know why we're doing what we're doing. It just, the the move, the the show is starting to feel like a series of meetings with very little stakes um, and not a criminal underworld. It's starting to feel like a DM, the DMV. No, you're right. Yeah, there's not shady things happening that we're seeing or a part of, or even that that all that exciting. It's like he he comes on a a band of young teens who are stealing some water, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 
I have so I have so much to say about that, and we'll kind of get into the how they're introduced. Um, and, and I I can give a charitable reading of, or or I could strike a note of appreciation for them attempting to do something visually different, um, and not stick to the normal Tatooine palette of beige and brown and sand, but it doesn't work. <laughs> It just doesn't. No, this is an American sense. graffiti, and that's what you know. The people yes. were re- referencing that was something that obviously um, they had, you know, ties to, and that was something they were huge, you know, obviously major involved yeah. with. But it's just, yeah, it felt it felt things felt very out of place yeah. in a lot throughout a lot of this episode, and um, we we do get to. Uh, See, I, I will give a shout out to a couple actors that that we see in this episode. So we get Stephen Root, who Fantastic. he's so great. I mean, in everything, char- such a great character actor. We remember him from Office Space, obviously, and just so many different things that you've seen him in through the years. Yeah. That's the one that probably most people, uh, Barry, uh, Barry, uh, Succession, uh, Dodgeball, uh, Succession. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Succession's great too. Um, so. We are introduced to this sort of gang of teen, teen adolescents that are, you know, apparently causing some ruckus at night and, and getting involved in some robberies. The one of them is, I believe, named Scad with the cybernetic eye. And then we've got Dash, who is actually played or Drash, who's actually played by Sophie Thatcher. Have you seen Yellow Jackets? I haven't, but I saw she was getting buzz on uh, yeah, some of the worth, Facebook groups I'm a part very of. Very much worth a watch if uh, if anyone out there has not seen that too. It's great. It's on uh, Showtime. It just finished the like ninth episode of one season, so not all that much to catch up, and it's really really good. Um, give it a give it a look if it, she so she's yeah she's hot right now. And she a couple really big shows for her going on at the same time, but I don't. And this was a you you were hitting on emotion, and that was something that. I immediately was thinking right away Like we know They didn't do a very good job Of introducing us to them Making us feel anything Really for them They were just sort of like window dressing And that and with the colorful bikes In the background they don't really say or do Much at all throughout the episode They are there to help Boba Which is which is nice I guess they prove their worth uh, In that but I, I It just feels so much different than you know. Give us a little bit of a a, a scene with them where you, you something happens yeah. to them or make us feel a- empathetic for them in some way, shape, or form. So we're kind of wanting both. When he when he signs, it just I don't know. Like you, I, I think you have some a, a lot to say on this too. But it just it, I didn't like the way they were brought in, introduced, and and everything about that. Yeah, I think there's kind of two. You know, there's kind of two routes they might have gone. Be beside the one they did, right? One would be actually explore the economic situation that has created this kind of group of disaffected youth, exactly. right? Like, is this because of uh, of Jabba's uh, takedown? Is this because uh, of the Empire's collapse? Uh, you know, I, I don't want the show. They don't need to tell me where they're buying their clothes, right? I mean. But the other kind of route, so they clearly didn't weren't interested in making an episode about these individuals, or maybe there mm-hmm. it's going to happen in a future episode. But the visual storytelling, the design should tell a story, and I don't 
get the design. Like, I don't know if the, I don't know who they are. I mean, other than it's like some sort of emerging Tatooine counterculture post empire, but why and who, and were they slaves? I mean, there's so many angles. They could be interesting, but whatever the backstory or logic for them being there is neither evident in the dialogue or the design. And so we're just kind of left wondering why. So we were introduced to a rancor here. And mm-hmm. what ends up happening is uh, Boba gets attacked in, uh, in, in his waking up from uh, one of his little healing sessions in the back of the tank by Black Kersantin. Um, so I guess we'll start th- with this scene. A lot of people were frustrated, were frustrated too, because they felt like Black Kersantin should have been able to, with ease, just do away with all of them here. And mm. and, and he would have been able to kill Boba with just the squeeze there. And the fact that these kids were able to sort of fight him off. Um, he was lured into the Rancor, uh, kind of the trap door. And then Fennec pressed the button and dropped him into the Rancor pit. So what do you think about the whole sequence with the the Black Kersantin and the fighting and everything there? A uh, lot, lot of emotions. I So we'll get when we get to our scene-by-scene breakdown, I'll... I'll explain my beef with how that scene was introduced. It just felt really off from the yeah. previous scene that 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 was, you know, the tragic uh, fate of the Tuscan Raider band. That's a gr- yeah, that's um, a great point. So I was not there, like I wasn't ready for that. I didn't. It just felt off. And, and you know, my my biggest issue with with uh, with Black Kersantin, uh with the Huts is is again why did we go through the hoop of introducing them the way they did if it's he's going to be captured and then he's released immediately um i can i have some ideas right why this might be but it just felt like um a, a real like um they had some really great what would be a metaphor here they had some like really great characters in the wings Yes, and they just dismiss seemingly dismiss them so quickly. I I think Black Kersantin will be back. Yeah, uh, but it just felt like a very rushed development for what episode two made me believe might be the big bad of the season. Um, I still think we're not seeing not everything is as it seems, mm-hmm. but yeah. everything was so rushed and abrupt that I was never really invested in in the fight scene i was just more confused i agree than, than immersed yeah and, and say yeah with the huts obviously it's we're not going to really take them at their word right now but they're given gifts we don't really even know if it if the you know the rancor and the rancor handler um the keeper are they on the up and up is there some scheme uh I, we just know that the huts they're not really built for the battleground, Matt. You know, like tactically out there, they 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 don't really want right. to deal with the war is bad for business, and I think it's just bad for them personally. You know, they're not the the best at hand to hand combat when they need. Uh, I think it was twenty. I counted exactly on the litter carrying them around this time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just you know like I get the the huts make their explanation makes sense why they're leaving and and kind of uh ceding the territory to the Pikes. But I just wonder why did the show bring if this is the last we saw of the huts, why did they bring them in? Did they feel they needed to explain the hut claim? I mean, we already knew Bib Fortuna was in control. It just seems like explanation that wasn't needed 
or it's clumsy plot setup for something that's yet to come. And again, I, I'm just kind of confused. I mean, I really hope next week when we're talking, I have this aha moment. That's yeah, we what we doing. we we gotta feel better. Like, and we <laughs> and I trust them enough with with what they've done to. Like you said, they they have a plan. I think they're they're getting this. Just felt almost like a red herring episode. It was just kind of like throwing us off in weird yeah. ways, which we don't. When we only have like seven of these, we don't want to waste one. And it almost yeah. felt like this was sort of a waste. Like you were saying, maybe it was laying some groundwork for important stuff to come. But let's get into it. Let's get into our deep yeah. dive here as we get into episode three. Of the book of Boba Fett This one titled The Streets of Mos Espa So we get the previously on And when we open up This scene We get a look at a BT-16 spider droid Which these are called The Bomar Monks What they uh, have done in a lot of the, the lure Is they are Basically you know, one, of, one who disassociate themselves So much from everything That they remove their brains and they're just brains And if they want to move around They can attach their brains to this like spider-like body Okay <laughs> And walk around So I was doing a little little research on these yeah, spider Yeah, thanks drones. for doing your homework I had no yeah. idea about that <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah, this thing was cool I was intrigued um, We get a look inside Boba's palace here So it's Boba, Fennec, and 88 They're having a chat They're basically like housekeeping here Okay, what's going on? Boba is... Getting caught up on everything that's happening, which again, this sort of seems like something that maybe should have happened in episode one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're learning, right? There's a power vacuum, right? We're, yep. we're getting a yeah. data dump essentially. Yep. Exactly. So this is a lot of exposition here. It's 88 filling, you know, there's a little joke part at the beginning where he's he doesn't want to say the name of Jabba. Boba tells him, You can say Jabba. He said, uh, I was concerned that you would feel insulted <laughs> because you felt threatened. And Bubba says, well, now I am insulted. Apologies, Master Fett. So he goes on with the briefing. After the sail, the sail barge disaster, which is kind of cool to hear that reference, uh, yeah. the uh, the incident with Boba and everyone, you know, and Leia and Luke and everyone on the uh, on the barge. There was a power vacuum. Bib Fortuna assumed Jabba's mantle under Master Bib's watchful eye. Most Espo was divided amongst three families. Trandoshans took the city center, the Aqualish, the workers' district here, and the Clatoonians, the starport and upper sprawl. Master Bib didn't have the power of Jabba, so he relied, he relied on uneasy alliances to preserve his tribute and his title, and all of this while lining the pockets of Mayor Mok Shais. So we got a lot of info there. Yeah, um, my, so my first, this kind of is a point that we'll run through other aspects of the episode. It's uh, So I just actually, full disclosure, I just watched The Eternals last night for the first time. Okay, cool. And The Eternals was so much, I'm just coming off like two hours of, of, of data dump plot exposition. It, it felt like, a lot like this episode, didn't it? Yeah. And so like, you know, th- this scene with the... It comes down to the kind of the the kind of age old rule of storytelling: show don't tell. Okay, so they're showing us about like they're telling us about this power vacuum. But why do? What if we saw it in real time? Or what if there was a more creative way where we're actually interacting with these groups? I mean, I'm being again. This is these are the kinds of things that you forgive if you're pulled into a story. But because I'm so now kind of dissecting this episode. 
I'm wondering why why couldn't an episode be navigating these families or a meeting of the three families, which I think might be coming because of of, of scenes in the trailer. Um, yes. Yeah, we're so, wasting. Like, they've been in the town for, for so often now, so many times. They've taken walks and trips through. Right. We just get little glimpses of things. We can't even hear any conversations or things overhead or, like, oh, yeah. You know, like, Fennec, as he's walking along, why, like, exactly what you're, what you're saying. This could be while they're walking. Mm-hmm. Through the town yeah. Hey look there over there that's where the Trendosians are yeah. you know, there, there this is the work And they walk past and then you get a little bit About that area that they're in hey look around This is a place where you don't want to mess with this And I, this, But it just felt like Something that we're in episode three And we're just getting this you know yeah. And and we're gonna get uh, Stephen Root who comes in In just a minute and Super disrespectful um, He literally says uh, So as they're talking they get interrupted Because someone has arrived And one of the vassals wants to Seek an audience with them but they don't have a, An appointment it's okay Boba he's he's a very He's very uh, a softy For uh, this godfather This this family leader man he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't come down on anyone all too hard right now Um <laughs> he, so he wants to know what's really going on in, in this murky fen As we get Lortha Peel Who is a watermonger in the workers district He said with apologies sir No one respects you At least someone's acknowledging what seems to be obvious To any yes. viewer of the show I mean um, I don't you know I, I get I don't want to see needless violence on television. That's not what I'm about to say. But everything in this world seems so reserved and almost polite. I know. Or like, and you know, Bo- Boba Fett has not. I mean, I know respect is his game, but we've seen very little brutality for someone who who. Again, he's had a conversion, so I'm kind of going in circles. No, but he's still Um, it's still in there somewhere, right? When he's been wronged, you have to think that that's that's still. I know, I know. Or he may be nonviolent because he's gone through this journey, but everyone else around him also seems very cautious in the the use of violence in a way that it's not how mafia movies or crime movies have taught us. If the Godfather um, doesn't want to get his hands dirty, you're you are just getting to it. Then that's yeah. fine, right? We see that all the time. We see right. Kingpin or whatever didn't want to do things out in the open. Then he behind the, things are closed. Then he'll go do this. Or you, you, they don't want their name out there. But yeah, it we're not getting like Fennec will kind of tease things here and there. But I agree with you. There has to be a moment. And, and at the end of this episode, we you know we see the Pike starting to show up, and and maybe that'll. That'll lead to a little more aggression But you're right it, it's very Just low stakes For a lot of this Yeah very deferential very meeting based mm-hmm. um, um, I mean I, I kind of was writing in my notes Meeting one I mean there's like four Basically four meetings Of, of criminals I think in this uh, Episode And it becomes you know you, you even before you're Consciously aware of it it, it you feel some sort of redundancy in this episode, right? And and now in the the series as a whole, since we're we're kind of seeing this, you know, Bubba moves from one meeting to another and asks, "What what's up? I don't know anything." And you know, you got to go meet the twins, or we have these people stealing water. I mean, there's something very um, 
repetitive about it, whereas Mandalorian was also repetitive from episode to episode, where it's like, oh, Mando, I'll help you if you do this thing. But it was kind of the structure of the show. Um, whereas here, I just, it feels like we're, um, you know, we're running the clock, oddly No, enough. that's that's a yeah. really good way of putting it. This It did, it did do, do this episode that, and we uh, we heard more from Lortha, who said, you know, eighty-eight said enough after he says that. Boba says, "Now let him speak." Um, Lord, said, "Ever since Lord Fortuna was, I like the way that he said this too. This was really yeah. great. He was about to say he was killed or murdered by yeah. Boba. He said, uh, "Ever since Lord Fortuna was uh, perished, the streets have turned to chaos." Boba again. Uh, well, this is the first I'm hearing of it. You know, <laughs> gotta get gotta get a better crew out there, which he's I guess trying to do and build throughout this episode. Peel tells us that I am insulted on your behalf at the disrespect these urchins are showing you, especially in light of the well, you know, assassination attempt. So Fennec thanks him, and uh, Lartha continues on. A street gang of insolent youths has been stealing my inventory. This never happened other the other Daimos, and I am insulted on your behalf. And Boba asks, uh, your inventory is water? Yes, I broke her sales on behalf of the vapor farmers. Uh, Tatooine was once completely covered with water. It's fascinating, actually. And he's going to go on to tell us what happened, but it gets interrupted. I kind of was curious. I wanted to know what happened with, with Tatooine. Why is there no more water here? But uh, Boba asks about the gang. As uh, Lortha tells him that they are half man, half machine. They modify their bodies with droid parts to make themselves even more deadly. And keep in mind, he's saying this. And Fen- he's like looking and Fenix looking right back at him. Someone who has had to have her body modified mm-hmm. to stay alive. You know, yeah. he doesn't realize who he's saying this to. And uh, he says, I beseech you, Lord Fett, rid the streets of Mos Espa of this scourge. And I will double my tribute to them. Yeah, this scene, this scene left me thinking, okay, this episode, we're now shifting into that Mandalorian structure where he's going to get some sort of task or focus in this episode crime of the week what crime am i doing this week yep uh or you know faction of the week clearly that's not ultimately what happens um and this new threat i mean obviously lorth appeal has his own interests and is arguably or certainly misrepresenting their <laughs> the threat that these uh insolent youths pose uh half man half machine Right, is conjuring images in my head that that fall far from what the show ultimately uh, delivers to us. Yeah, and, and I I actually think this is a very interesting idea. I mean, thinking about the other young people we've seen on Tatooine, Luke and Anakin, who are very much into machines and into tinkering. I mean, Anakin's a prodigy, of course, but getting into this kind of subculture of body modification could have been really interesting, right? Not in an academic sense, but just to get a sense of who these, who these, uh, you know, adolescents are. Are they scavengers, right? Are they slaves who were recently freed, etc.? But, but no, I mean, they're not, they did not strike me as half machine, right? No, they, the they one had, kid's got like a cyber eye. It seemed right. like he had like a, something to fix an eye issue, you know, like so that they... He was able to come across, uh, uh, and and it helps them. But 
like you said, this could be a world where you're almost in a superhero-ish kind of where you've got these these more than real people because they've got these enhancements, you know, that that can help them. And it was just so misrepresented was was the perfect word here. And um, yeah, they get back out onto the streets. We get the overhead shot of Mo Sespa and Boba Fennec and the Gamorreans patrol the streets at night. Gotta gotta say we we mentioned it. Uh, I think it was uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. This this just looked a lot like Agrabah from Aladdin. I just like watched as uh, they're like walking through and in and out and cutting corners. I'm like, yeah. gosh, I'm just waiting for uh, Abu to pop out somewhere in the corner. <laughs> and um, they ran into that group of the young adolescents. What are we saying? Like, be sixteen to eighteen ish. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, they have to be teens still. Um, 16 would make sense. They didn't strike me as, as very young. Um, no. And, um, like you said before, right, there is this, you, there felt something very George Lucasian about them, right? That mm-hmm. they're, they're these youth, they have their hot rods. Um, there's kind You've of got a, a blue and the blue is the, they're, they're, they're sort of like Vespas almost mm. looking. They're very bright. In this world that's not bright of Tatooine, mm-hmm. like this area that we're in, is the farthest thing from it, and so they stick out like a sore thumb. You got a gold one, a green one, a red one, and this light blue one. And I think the two of them that were actually introduced to, or that that are named so far, are Dash and Scad, or Drash. I said Dash both times. Drash and uh, Scad. Drash is Sophie Thatcher. And Scad is the one with the cybernetic eye. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I guess part, so the design in and of itself, the design does feel very prequely, uh, kind of recalls Coruscant and, and, and such. I, you know, it doesn't fit with the color palette of Tatooine. It's not something we've seen before, which in and of itself isn't what's wrong with it, right? It's that I, I want something visually Something in the interactions with these characters, it gives me a sense of how they emerge in this place, right? Why? They are very, perhaps, I mean, seemingly consciously going against the norm, right? They're bucking the trends. They're rebellious youth. They are upset with the system. I don't know, right? I mean, there's there's certain, they're disaffected youth. You know, they're out of a job. We know that. Um, But you know, are, are they stealing spare parts to, to modify their bodies? Were they actually injured or, or disabled because of uh, the working conditions they found themselves under the huts? Yeah, what uh, happened? Why are know. they in this I mean, point where they don't have water and they have no yeah. means and they're on their own here? Give us a little bit of something to who they are. And you said, maybe it's coming, but the problem is, is it's hard le- yeah, you were you were really hitting on a lot of the same sort of things, and you were saying them, I think, in a more eloquent way than I was too. Is just when you're not, it, it's making you less invested now, and that could be dangerous mm-hmm. in shows where there's new characters. You have to sort of introduce. You, you can only kind of remember your first impression with a lot of these people, and it doesn't always have to be a home run, but you want to have it to be like a single at least, you know. Yeah. And if it comes off poor, then people are gonna. I'll start rolling their eyes and it's going to be harder to connect with these characters. If that episode does come next week or in two weeks and we do get a flashback scene for these kids or something about what happened or they have to inevitably tell more of their story 
but I think it may have hurt some of the way they set the show up may hurt. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe in two weeks or three weeks, we're saying, oh, wow, now it makes all a bunch of sense to us. We can only react in the moment. But right now, in the moment, didn't like the way this was done. Yeah. The, the kind of where they might be going, if I'm trying to think positively here, I mean, I think there is probably still opportunity to explain a bit more about their uh, motives and, and background, right? Not necessarily in a that I need a Wikipedia page on them. But the fact that they are involved in stealing water and we've seen a lot of water issues crop up with the Tuscans, uh, uh, control of water, you know, relationship to land and all this kind of stuff. Like there there might be, if there's some larger alliance that's being formed uh, under Bo- uh, Boba's guidance and ultimately it's about returning control of the land to the people of Tatooine in all their diversity, right? The both the humanoids and, and Tuscans. Maybe they're kind of they're dropping seeds for some bigger statement about <laughs> the Tatooine economy, as boring as that sounds. Um, but we're not getting enough here to actually care about them. And that's what that's the that's the uh the Achilles heel, I think, of this episode's design. Yep. So Boba uh, starts to interact with them. He asks them, where'd you get that water? <laughs> Sophie Thatcher character, Drash, says, we stole it. Says, uh, it's a crime what they charge. And uh, look, old man, we know who you are. Go back to your palace. He says, watch your tongue. I'm the Daimo. I will bring order. He says, you're a crime boss. You're just like the rest of them. Hmm. He said, if, why would you let him charge us a month's wages for a week's water? Not that we have any wages So yeah. he's he's He doesn't know what's going on That's a lot of the problem here too You know he's like literally just figuring all of this out You should You live in the workers district You should be working Just look around you There is no work Yeah Yeah I, it's I wonder Yeah I mean we, we don't have a good sense Of how things were working Under uh, Jabba I, I am interested in this idea of of the effects. I mean, the Mandalorian has already kind of established that the post Imperial world is not great for a lot of people. Um, that there was some sort of security in the old order, right. As uh, uh, corrupt and evil as it was. I, I don't know if they're so, so hard leaning into that direction here, but that's effectively canon from, from Mandalorian. And this is set in the same time period. Um we need. I, I don't know what the solution was here. Um, I will say though, my you know my favorite episode of this season last week was you know thirty minutes with the Tuscan Raiders. I would have take a shot with these these kids. Give us thirty minutes in the streets of Mos Espa. Let's let's actually learn how life on the streets. Yep, their perspective. What Give it's us, like. Yeah, yeah. So. That's. I agree with you. I, I think you always are better taking that route because then at least we can look back and say, okay, they took a shot and it missed. This one didn't really feel like they took much of a shot. They played it way too safe. And that's not uh, with these shows. They, they have so much room and freedom to do whatever they want. These aren't these movie releases that where they have a whole lot of pressure and probably certain things they have to do and cut all these scenes out and this and that. You really have a lot of freedom with what they're doing here. And if you know what, if you, you don't feel like you're, you've got enough in seven, like, okay, 
make this being eight or nine or ten episodes. Make it an episode more like you tell your story the best that you want. It's it's not like you're in the movie and you're adding on another thirty minutes and it's a five hour movie. Tell the story, you know. And so yeah. hopefully we'll we'll kind of get that. Um, as well, okay. So about a, a positive about this though, we were saying last week how Boba's got a weak weak sort of. Group of people he doesn't have much yeah. going For him it was him Fennec and the Gamorans That's it so at the very least He has some extra eyes and ears Now that can help him out and we see that there Is some use to that throughout the episode Right and I like in Broad strokes the idea that he's Attracting outcasts completely right? Agree that's very it's Cool like I, I like that Angle it's just the execution Of it that lands with a thud Yep very much agree so We are uh, the kids follow along and oh there's a little incident here before they uh, they head back to the palace and i think this will lead to something more as lord the peel he's kind of he's obviously eavesdropping as the the kids are have just stole his water they're like right out in front of his place and that's when boba shows up and after boba you know tells the kids okay you come work for me lortha runs out and says no no they stole from me and you're just going to let them get off and Boba asks what they owe. He says thirteen hundred credits. And Boba even says for water, um, thirteen hundred credits. He gives him five hundred. Lortha is not happy. Boba says, "I heard you the first time. Take the five hundred. Consider it resolved. If you want to continue doing business in my territory, if you don't like it, then you can move to Mos Eisley." And as they all drive off on their uh, their little Vespa speeders, and and Boba heads back. He is giving them the stank eye. He is notice yeah. noticeably unhappy. So whether he, he's in cahoots with, you know, the Pike Syndicate or something to do with the water, obviously he's a watermonger here, but this isn't gonna be the last we see of him, I think, especially for a, a character actor who is pretty well known. I'd imagine he's gonna pop up a couple more times in here. Right. I mean, if not, if he doesn't come back, right, or if the huts don't come back, seemingly the you know, we're we're being introduced to people, the mayor, who are are folding and and moving on, which is probably not the case. So my my hope for this episode, and I think Lortha Peel's look kind of speaks to that, is there's a lot more happening than appears on the surface. And so my disappointment with the episode is actually me falling for some of the ploys that the characters are using in the universe. That's my that's my best case scenario, I think. So Boba is building his army, quote unquote, gang as uh, we get the Book of Boba Fett title, and we see right outside of Boba's palace, uh, we get another look at a, a creature out here who is like a wart-like species. I was doing my homework on this one too. It, I don't think it's exactly a rock wart, but it's something along those lines. And, and what this thing does is, first you see it looks sort of like a like a bird, like a reptile. Then there's a bird. One thing eats the other, and all of a sudden, this wart just eats the both of them. Just kind of like lets them both get ready. And he's like, "I'm gonna have the bigger meal and eat the both of these creatures." And they, the, it's it's kind of weird these scenes with with just the the creatures and stuff because they're done in a purposeful way to make the to make them sort of look older, like they would have. Been in Return of the Jedi yeah. Or you know in 
Empire Strikes Back or something And so I mean they're cool They're they're little small things but I, I don't know if it's it, It's not like getting the the, the groundswell or like the support I don't think people are really all that intrigued By, by these uh, little little things as, uh, as maybe they would have liked them to be But we do take a look At the We do take a look at Boba in the back of the tank And he's going back to dream A look at him as a child again in Camino Where he's getting up for his from his bed It almost looks like He was sleeping and he could kind of almost hear Or maybe see that his dad was leaving And so he kind of gets up to look at his window As dad flies away You know anyone would Watching their parents uh, drive off And Then we see Boba back with the Tuscans And he is on a Bantha and he sets off And actually we don't even really know When he sets off where he's going You you almost kind of think maybe he's just leaving Yeah I kind of did. I was like, "Oh no, is he? He's his time with them is done," and we're gonna find out in a minute. It, it might be, but for different reasons. Um, so he takes a trip with this uh, Bantha to Mos Eisley, mm-hmm. and as he goes into Mos Eisley, we see those stormtrooper helmets placed on stakes all over the place, and we get a Peli Motto sighting in the background. Yeah. Just yeah. a little cool, little little moment when she's walking with the droids. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, it's kind of cool. It's uh, maybe understated. Well, maybe not understated because we see the stormtrooper skulls, if you will, mounted on Spike. But this is days, weeks after the collapse of the Empire. We don't know how much time, maybe months. We don't know how long he's been with uh, uh, the Tuscan camp. But presumably he doesn't even know the Empire has collapsed. That's Um, right. He looks at it like, hmm, really? Yeah, that's a. That's a great point. So, so this is, a, yeah. It's an interesting, you know, in retrospect, I I guess, you know, I'm not a writer on the show, so who cares what I want? But it might have been interesting to get a, a, a sense of what the fallout is, right? It, since we talk about this power vacuum, this seems like if indeed there was a power vacuum, oh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Mos Eisley apparently was never under control of Jabba the Hutt. We can get into that because he's going to see the Pikes. But things don't seem too chaotic We shall see No, so, no yeah. And as he walks up He says that he has business to do with the, the He has business with the Pike Syndicate He walks in to their little office, I guess And uh, he goes inside and he starts to speak with One of the Pike leaders Or well, the, the main representative here He, the their their Pike representative He's he's got an issue. Mm-hmm. They're already paying protection arrangements. They don't mind having to pay. They understand, but they're paying both now. And Boba's asking for them to pay the Tuscans, and they're already paying to uh, a, a different syndicate. So Boba he tries to lay down the law here. He says, "We are one party. I'm collecting on behalf of the Tuscans of the Dune Sea. And you don't have to pay that speeder bike gang, which are uh, referenced as the Kinton." Striders So Boba says we fa- uh, we far outnumbered them he, he says we Which I thought was interesting You know he yeah. is part of that tribe now He actually considers him a we The sands that belong to the Tuscans Since the oceans dried And the pike leader says hey look We're happy to do business with anyone We just don't want to be taken advantage of By paying protection to both I'm sure you understand Boba says he will resolve this You will not hear from the Nikto sand raiders again and uh, and he's off. So this is sort of our first glimpse of uh, of Boss Boba 
here going in and handling business himself before this he was just he was a hired hitman mm-hmm. he wasn't in talking with people and making deals they it was just hey boba go do pay kill and that was that yeah um par- so again my cynical side this is meeting two of the episode <laughs> He's visiting the Pikes. Why? Why is he visiting the Pikes? I mean, you you have the upper hand when you threaten and threaten the other Pikes and then spare their lives and tell them to march back to Anchorhead. But here he seems to have a weaker position. He's going to the Pikes. Um, so I, I guess that that's part of the the you know uh, the polite quality of criminal interactions in, right? in this show yeah. that I, I've been complaining about. I think, though, right, uh, the Pikes, I'll put a lot of money down. I think the show almost answers it for us. The Pikes are giving him the runaround, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's completely in their interest to have the Tuscans and the biker gang uh, duke it out and, and destroy each other. And that's essentially what they're doing here is is setting up, you know, they're setting up a situation, they think, where they will have to pay protection money to no one. So Boba leaves and he heads back to the Tuscan camp and oh this was brutal. So as he is getting closer to the Tuscan camp on the Bantha, he sees some smoke from a little bit of a distance and we see that the camp has been completely raided, destroyed. We see a couple dead Banthas, we see tents burning. Bodies are a couple of the bodies are hung up almost like crucified. In a really brutal way that you see when he goes by. We actually see the chieftain's body holding his big weapon. And we see that that symbol of the raiders that almost right. looks like a JL. You uh-huh. know, it's kind of like uh, the way that it's formed. Um, the, the capital J and L kind of back to back. As Boba cleans everything up and he... Puts the bodies all and he burns them Which is what they would have wanted to do Sort of a their ceremony And as he's putting everything on the fire He grabs that small Gaffy stick Which we don't ever see the The body of the child But I think they're trying to lead us to believe That maybe that was the small stick of the child That he's throwing on the fire So this was very much um, Reminiscent of the scene of That everyone thinks of with Anakin With the younglings where uh, mm-hmm. You know, he can't, he came back and, you know, he, he raids, goes through them. This, and this was right after we were last week, just so singing the praises of the, all the stuff with the Tuscans and the back and forth. And it felt like we still had a little more to go with them and with mm-hmm. Boba. And I mean, we don't know that this entire group is gone. We don't know that every one of them is dead, right. but we know that they have a lot of losses and that tribe. Uh, that was his family is now gone and he's alone. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I wanted to be more affected <laughs> by this scene. And, and I was to, to his credit, I think tomorrow Morrison played it beautifully in some of the shots uh, by the fire. Um, but again, I, I, I think part of it, as I was approaching it very cerebrally, cerebrally, if I said that correctly, where we've just learned, right, the Pikes want the, the biker gang out. This scene is showing us that the biker gang did it. 
in my mind, there's no way this is the work of the biker gang. I could, I think that's obvious, but I could break that, break down my reasoning if you like. I think there's no way it's the work of the biker gang. So part of me is trying to figure out the logic of the show, or rather the showrunners moves here, right? What, yep. what they're doing. Um, and then another part of me is just disappointed that the most, what was the most exciting element of the show for me, right? The Tuscan culture yeah, and way of life. Yeah is so quickly disposed of, right? We don't know if they're all dead. Um, we don't know if we'll spend more time in the flashback zone. Um, but it seemed to me, in it, because of where it was placed in the episode especially, almost like an emotional shortcut. Like, okay, well, now let's give you the motivation of our anti-hero, right? Um, there was such a careful plotting in the last episode to I know. build that relationship. And then this was rushed. And then it was right. like we didn't even sit with it more and come back and maybe see how it would weigh on Boba now a little bit at mm-hmm. all. or Because may- immediately we get right into the, you know, the, the black Kersantan. He, he, Boba leaves with the Bantha and we come back to him in the back of the tank and he's getting – Awakened by an attack from Black Kersantan Who just starts to toss Boba around He's got no shirt on He's dripping yeah. with water And Boba actually goes to grab I think his One of his shooters And it's not working Which is kind of cool You know, the over-reliance on technology I love I love that So what he has to actually grab When has technology ever worked against Boba right? Fett or his father? Come I was going to say <laughs> I was gonna say no. <laughs> so the the gaffy stick though does work a little bit. It just buys him a second to uh to he hits Kersantan in the belly with it, and Boba is uh, he's struggling though. Uh, he's not able to really do much. He can't really defend himself here. Uh, Black Kersantan has him squeezed in like a bear hug. You can hear Boba's bones starting to kind of crunch and crackle. Yeah. That seemed pretty serious. I mean, right? he's in his robe. He's walking in his robe. But if you're you're crushing the spine, I mean, that's what it sounded like. Maybe let's just say they were rib fractures. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that that back the tank is magic. Obviously, he just right. is able to heal rapidly in that thing. As the kids come and save him, so the gang of kids come in, all four of them. So in this room now, it's Boba. And the Gamorans and all four of these kids basically against Black Kersantan, who's who's whooping some ass here, uh, but not at the point where he's killing anyone. He's just kind of throwing them out of the way. And, and he does bowl over the Gamorans uh, pretty, yeah. pretty well. But they don't die, right? No, no. Yeah. Even well, and what- right. Because following this, uh, Boba says to get him to my back to tank. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. I, in my memory, the first time I saw the show, one of them died, and then I I rewatched it again before the the podcast. And it, no, so so they were. I mean, I felt I thought the fight was pretty brutal. Um, in a in a I mean that in the sense that like there did seem to be a real threat to his life here. Sure. Sure. Um, I guess you know the counterpoint to that is ultimately no one dies, and um, you know. Uh, Black Kersantan gets a get out of jail free card And so one wonders what the point of the entire uh, scene was <laughs> But but nonetheless, I, I, I found the action mostly believable So I'm not coming from it thinking that Black Kersantan is the 
biggest badass in the world, which I understand if you've read the comics, his loss here is pretty shocking. Um, but I thought, you know, he's so outnumbered. Um, Fennec ultimately gets him, you know, he's poorly placed in, in Jabba's palace. He probably should have some better intel. Yeah, Did seriously. He work, didn't he work for Jabba at some Yes, point? he's been in there many times before. Know? It's like, don't stand on the trap door, buddy. Just yeah. don't stand there. He he. The kids kind of run him out there, and uh, he's trying to fight them off, but Fennec notices that he's on the trap door, and so he drops into the Rancor pit, and um, and so they've got him under capture now uh, for the for the time being. As they feast, Fennec. Well, Fennec yeah. feasts. Uh, she tells him Boba. She tells Boba, "You should enjoy the trappings. You're the head of the family." As we see their their massive spread. This is why Jabba looked like Jabba. This is why Bib looked like Jabba uh, mm-hmm. after taking over for a little while. Uh, Boba says he needs to respond. So he's starting to think about what to do. Everyone's watching, waiting for me to make the next move. Fennec says that you already sent a message. They sent Kersantan to kill you. Now he's locked up in your dungeon. I say you wait for them to show their hand. So these are huts. Waiting will only give them another opportunity to strike again. And as well, he says that, they're here. They're here. <laughs> wait for it. AD8 comes in and says, the twins are here. They have brought a gift. Yeah. So, a little quaint, huh? It's. I hope it's a head fake because it's so, like... They show up instantly to apologize. I don't know how much time has passed since the attack. I mean, he's wearing the robe again, but presumably he wears the robe all the time. Uh, the huts can't move that fast. How do they know Black Kersantan failed? I mean, it, it would just, I, you know, it's one of those things. Again, if I was emotionally involved in the show, I would probably have, like, forgiven the the time jump. Star Wars, Marvel, they do a lot of weird things with with timelines all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I it doesn't uh, add up. How like you? It, how do they know? How do yeah. they know? Like, like we said, how do they know he failed? Why are they there already? Was this a ploy? But it it yeah, it doesn't. There is there some sort of a a mole in the operation? I don't know. Do they have something going on? But it's not till right after that they give him the gift. So we may think that now, but we. It's not as if they really have a a spy in there yet. Um, yeah. yeah, so like you said, maybe we'll get a little more emotionally invested in these. These are a few things that in, in the following episodes that we won't critique quite as much. But that was some, a little another something that didn't really uh, mm-hmm. kind of bothered me a little bit as we go outside with the huts who mm-hmm. came to apologize. So the twins are on their litter. They've got a gift for Boba. 20 people carrying them on their litter. Tates immediately say, we sent Kersantan to kill you. We are sorry. Please yeah. take this gift as restitution. Okay. Okay. I mean, here's sure. Yeah, this is, this, I'm going to just say, this is the low point of the episode for me. Because it left me thinking, was this entire plot line just to introduce a Rancor? Seriously? Like, and. You're right. If it was. You know, I just. This is the action figures thing. It's like your friend showed up and he's got a Rancor toy. We got to use it, right? And oh, um, we have to have two huts who people like to see bring the Rancor in. If if they're, I mean, and if they're not more with the huts than this, then th- then this was, yeah, this was all, this was bad. This was really poorly done because it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense why 
the huts are so quickly and we're so we're we're just supposed to believe that's it. I don't think anybody does. Boba immediately says as the after the huts leave, you know, we don't we can't trust them. Right. Uh, we, we you know, we we know that something's up. Don't don't trust them. Right. So they so they actually tell Boba oh, oh, first they show him the gift. It's a rancor. And he's it's comes out with handler Danny Trejo is Boba looks at the Rancor And he tells him to clear off Tatooine The Huts say that we will do just that But for a different reason There's something you should know We were both lied to This territory has already been promised to another syndicate By Mayor That spineless Mayor Mokshaiz We are going back to Hutta We don't want war Bad for business So as they get ready to leave so we are leaving Tatooine and we suggest you do the same Tatooine is a worthless rock Sell the Wookiee back to the gladiators He is our tribute to you And they're off Slowly Yeah <laughs> um, Yeah I mean I guess I, I'm Again I, I'm I'm trying to approach the episode Thinking about what the design is here And I suppose You know introducing these uh, fearsome huts in the previous episode only to have them run off signals to the audience that well there's really a there's a real threat to be reckoned with here it's almost i mean it's definitely the pikes um but i'm just uh uh was there a different way to to give us all this information about the yes. different factions there had to be that yeah. would have been more engaging and um you know, we're just. What if, I think Hutt, we're, what if he had made an alliance with the Huts here? I mean, I'm speaking without knowing where the seasons go. Yeah, and so uh, it's hard. Again, we're yeah. we're we're taking them one at a time, but it just feels like they were they were content with thinking the audience would just be happy with seeing these things, just mm-hmm. like you said, like our toy. Oh, the Huts, cool. Oh, Black Hersantin, cool. And not worry at all about the way they were introduced, the plot that's happening, the story that's being told at all to bring them in. So that's yeah, that that leaves a lot to be desired right now, um, on my end. Yeah. So the huts are gone, and Boba looks over and tells Fennec to let Black Crescenton go, and he says, "No hard feelings. It's just business. Take it from an ex bounty hunter. Don't work for scug holes. It's not worth it." And I love how he just runs off. He just looks yeah. over. Oh, oh! He just like <laughs> saunters on off, and um, Fennec asks Boba if he believes the Huts. He says, "I have no reason to believe them. They would benefit from their enemies fighting one another." This so, is crucial. This is yeah. an important line, and I didn't, I didn't zero in on this line until my second viewing. I agree. I have no reason to believe them. So this is an important. This gives me more faith in the design of the show because. This line applies to the situation with the huts and it applies to the situation with the pikes in the the flashback, right? He believed the pikes seemingly in that meeting, but what the pikes wanted were for their enemies to fight one another. So what mm-hmm. he's saying to Fennec here, I I think is born out of the experience of being burned Absolutely. by the pikes before. I've and seen they this. haven't shown us what happens next. The pikes killed but the now pastor. We know from that line We can start to You know put two and two together Using some of those context clues right. And uh yeah Fennec. So maybe it's yeah. not you know maybe I need to 
I need to tone down my exasperation with this episode and accept that part of my frustration with it is actually the design of things are not as and they that's, seem. That's what we're that's fine. That's what we're doing here. You can and because you are someone who will be very outspoken about liking things that other people won't. You're absolutely allowed to because this is not I don't think you you're having even a crazy unique opinion here. I think a lot of people were just kind of disappointed with the overall yeah. layout of this this episode. And that was coming off of episode two that it felt like a lot more people were starting to feel invested than in episode than after episode one. So it was a weird Episode one came and everyone it felt like a lot of the response from people was just kind of hmm. Yeah. What what is this? You know, I'm not sure. Not not really bad, but just kind of hmm. And then the second one uh, felt like a lot of people and things that I read and watched were, oh, this is great. I love the back and forth. Now we're starting to find out more about Boba and and the whys and this and that. And then this one's just uh, yeah, a, a little bit kind of all over the place, a little bit jumbled as we now. Get inside the Rancor pit mm-hmm. And we find out A little bit about this animal Boba asks the Rancor keeper and he, what is, That's what he's referenced as um, Why does it just lie there It's depressed Boba asks oh the beast can feel such things The next line made me laugh Rancor are emotionally complex Creatures <laughs> <laughs> That was good Yeah. And, uh, Boba asks Why does it wear blinders and they start to explain this one's a calf It was bred from champions for fighting I saved this one for myself to train It imprints on the first human it sees And now that we have arrived I will begin its training Boba asks if he can approach And he walks up and he starts to Kind of like anybody would With their pet like scratch it on its Jaw under its chin and its neck And he's like looking for the sweet spot He even says um, Oh easy boy I think it likes this the yeah. uh, keeper says they are peaceful and less threatened, and Boba instantly attaches to this. This I I had heard about. I think I mentioned it at one time to you that there was going to be a creature of some sort that people would sort of think of like a baby Yoda type, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be. And I'm I'm now I'm assuming this is obviously what somebody was referencing here, but um. Yeah, we get the relationship, and this is very like human with a dog. What what Boba's doing here? Yeah, I I I think I I I naturally respond positively to kind of human dog bonding represented on film in any number of ways. Um, and so there's there's a moment right where the camera takes the POV of the Rancor, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, I don't know. I could be. No, no, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I. I I I quite liked the interaction between Boba and the Rancor, but my cynical side is again like this feels like I don't think this was in Pan Oswalt's summary for for Episode Seven, <laughs> but Bo- this very much feels like something you would do with your action figures. Like I want to see Boba Fett ride a ride Rancor. the Rancor. Fact, Boba's riding it. Yeah, right. You're in right. the holiday special, he rides this like giant dinosaur creature, and so. It just feels a bit forced fan. I you know, the word fan service, there's whatever, but I it know. just feels like it's giving us this gratification, but not, but how is this serving the, the larger story? I, I'm that's um, if, if it's doing both, then that's great. Right? right. The Mandalorian felt like it was able to do both really well, which is something that we were praising over and over. Cause that's hard to do. 
It is. It's hard to be kind of cute and funny and drop a lot of Easter eggs while at the same time telling a good story that makes people want to keep watching. Make yeah. somebody that doesn't that isn't the hardcore Star Wars fan just flip this show on and go, okay, I want to watch this show. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so you gotta be able to do both. And I think it was yeah, a little lacking here, but I did enjoy a lot of this relationship, and I am excited to see more of this mm-hmm. as yeah, Boba's scratching it on the neck. He said, I want to spend more time with it. Uh, the keeper tells him, You should. They can become very loving. They're powerful fighters. So that's what they most know. But they form strong bonds with their owners. It's said that the witches of Dathomir, Dathomir. even rode them through the forest and the fens. And so we we find out about these witches in what Clone Wars, right? Clone Wars, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the quick plug for Clone Wars, one of the coolest things is how they expand the world of force users and and different, you know, sects that sects S E C T S. <laughs> it wasn't clear what I just said. Uh how they interpret the force. And so the the knights uh the knights night sisters, did I say that right? Yeah, the night sisters. Yeah, because then there's also the night watch. Anyway, the night sisters, um on Dathomir is also the planet where uh, Darth Maul and his brother are from. And so you see them, their plot lines intertwined in the Clone Wars. Suffice it to say, you get this broader view of the world of the Force and of Force users beyond Jedi and Sith, which is one of the cool strands of the Clone Wars, is the focus on on the Night Sisters. So this is a nice little wink to that and if you don't know the clone wars you just you know it's just one of those lines where it reminds you it's a bigger universe the um that that kind of sparks real interest in boba he says i want to learn to ride this one i want to ride it i've ridden beast 10 times its sides that was the reference you were mentioning in the uh, to the holiday <laughs> the holiday special is the keeper says it will take a tremendous amount of discipline boba Says we'll begin today And he said And then he starts like talking like Here you go what are we gonna call you Like you would to your pet Kind of like you would to your kid Like baby talking almost to him It's like whoa Boba Fett Just scratching this guy I actually enjoyed it though You know it's it's funny to think about Like you said this this feared uh, bounty hunter And he's in here eye to eye With this rancor you know As the keeper Sets Boba up right in front of him He says stand here And he removes the blinders And so the Rancor sees Boba for the first time And he able he, yeah. he locks in on him And Boba is eye to eye With the Rancor again Scratching him He says oh yes you like this huh? He's like just having some bonding time with his new pet But he's interrupted by 88 Yeah so, but I, One last thing about the go Rancor ahead, please, you know, Because I, I've, been, I've been shitting on the Rancor But this is this isn't something really out of left field. I mean, all we know about the Rancor is from Return of the Jedi, really. And and he, he felt threatened by Luke or whatever. He was hungry. I mean, who knows? They were probably starving and mistreating that Rancor. And you'll recall the caretaker of the Rancor we see in Return of the Jedi. And there he, he, he weeps after mm-hmm. the Rancor dies. And so yeah. that... This idea of an attachment between a rancor and a caretaker is, uh, or a human, if you will, like is, it's kind of baked into the original appearance of the mm-hmm. rancor. So I, yeah. think, I, I kind of like it when Star Wars, you know, takes something 
a, a little deeper, but but not it's not cut from you know it's not a whole new development. It's actually kind of baked into the original uh, story to uh, to how the character was introduced. Whereas Boba Fett, we're getting a Boba Fett that didn't exist in the original trilogy. And this and is a different for person, good yeah. reason, and we're seeing that character develop. Whereas this idea about the Rancor is kind of baked into the character, I think. Early on, the absolutely, the absolutely, we see that big guy weeping. He's crying when the Rancor gets killed. When Luke kills the Rancor, so um, I think a lot of people were the positives coming out of this episode were a lot of the interactions with the Rancor. But when when eighty eight interrupts him and Boba's just like, "Get out of here! I'm hanging out with my new pet, yeah. my new buddy," and eighty eight's like, "Uh, no, excuse me. We heard back from the mayor's office." They remain completely unavailable for at least the next 20 days. What? That is so... 20? 20 days? I mean, this... Th- again, like, this is most Espa. There's most Isley. This is not course. It, it makes... It's so... Out, it's such an outrageous claim. You could only take it as a joke about bureaucracy mm-hmm. that this mayor in this town would not be available for 20 For days. 20 days. Yeah. <laughs> no, and Boba obviously is furious when he hears that. So he he tells the keeper, feed him a full Ronto carcass. I think it's hungry. And then he tells ATA to tell Fennec to suit up. We're not waiting for an appointment. And they uh, they get on their way. And as they walk away, the keeper looks to the Rancor, who's kind of sad. The Rancor is like, oh, you know, and the keeper tells him, don't worry, he'll be back. So the, I, I don't think now... Danny Trejo is always this like really plays like a really sort of shady character in a lot of things, but I didn't get the sense that this was the trap. Maybe I'm going to be completely wrong and gullible, but I do think we're going to get a genuine relationship that develops here between Boba and this Rancor. And I don't think it's going to be something that was this big plan from the huts, leaving him with the Rancor and the Rancor keeper, or maybe the Rancor keeper was supposed to be a spy, but he's going to actually Appreciate how Boba loves this Rancor so I don't I don't know if this was a Plan or if it's going to backfire but it doesn't seem like I I think this is going to end up being A pretty genuine relationship it feels like And I yeah if we're not if we don't See him riding this Rancor into town I will be shocked Uh, As sure as sure as As the Tatooine suns rise We will see Boba Fett on a Rancor (laughs) like I I I have no doubt Has to so Um yeah, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? Think things on the up and up here? Do you think? Uh, do you, did you get any sense of the whole gift? Was this just a genuine? Here's the rancor because that was what people have sort of had a hard time with too. Why would the huts just give this rancor to him? Right. Do they, they not have somewhere to keep? I don't know. They like also, it, I mean, not to get again into these logistics, but they're seemingly just visiting the planet to check out how things are going. Like they get a hold of this rancor, they just had it in their pocket. Apparently, do they always plan to apologize? Was do they anticipate Black Corsantid would be captured? I think I think we're overthinking this. I mm-hmm. honestly think this was just a plot contrivance to get Boba to get Fett the rancor in. You're right. Uh, I does, wish I was wrong, and <laughs> so, and I I hope I hope, I hope you wrong. are, but I don't think so either because we're. We're doing the mental gymnastics and it doesn't seem to be working as I'm playing it out here. But we uh, we get Boba, Fennec, the kids on their speeder bikes, these super bright light blue, red, green, gold, American graffiti-ish looking like Vespas. 
And they are they arrive at the mayor's Boba and Fennec bust in And they have a few questions for the mayor The major domo he's right there in front he, uh, Yes um indeed um Unfortunately, Mayor Mokshai's schedule is a bit complicated, unfortunately, as I recall. <laughs> and it uh, threatens him. If you wish to continue breathing, I advise you weigh your next words carefully. So this is one of the first times, you know, Fennec has sort of, what we were talking about earlier, she's sort of been the the, the tougher of the muscle. But she was just kind of even getting lazy and eating. We We haven't really seen them get too serious, and they're kind of getting clowned on. By a lot of people in this town now So much that people are coming in and saying Nobody respects you And they told them that they weren't going to have a meeting For 20 days Like the mayor doesn't think this guy That Boba Fett is any sort of a threat at all Yeah No I, I um, You know I wrote in my notes Like Boba, uh, Boba back at the mayor's office This is getting a bit old It's like, like you Meeting know. four This right, is four Meeting four um, and then it's like, did he just lock the door? It's like so, uh, you know, such a kind of petty line. Yeah, like this kind of petty schoolboy conflict. It's like, I'm not going to talk to you. I locked the door. Oh, I, locked you know, door. I wrote yeah. in my notes, gangsters and thieves in this universe are really about conflict avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just soft. And yeah. it obviously the way Boba's doing things right now aren't working. He's trying to be respectful. But it's not yeah. working. He's getting walked all over. As Fennec, um, she cuts the wiring and the door opens, but it's empty. Nobody is in there. No mayor. No, none of his associates, his assistants, nothing. Nobody's in there. No major domo. He actually went out the back and he tried to escape in. Am I calling this a car? What, oh, a is speeder? this? I it's mean... a speeder. It's sort of, but it's, yeah, it looks more like a, a car, like it's kind of filled out. Um, and he So he jumps in And Fennec alerts the kids on the bikes Who end up chasing him through the streets This is the chase we were referencing In the open That is just super slow motion yeah. And and it's compared to Last week when we got this incredible Train heist scene Where they were flying We got to see the speed And Boba showed us on the, the, on the speeders How fast they could go And we got these great Jumping off the train It was like a five or six minute sequence And this was just I almost wanted like yakety sax To be playing in the background You know like just de- 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 like It just like yeah. put a put a, It just felt like a comedy sort of scene And yeah. And you can't I guess, speed And they're going through the streets We see lots of droids And and they were a lot of droids That we've seen through the years In different right. You know. Rickshaw droid from Attack of the Clones that carries mm-hmm. uh, um, Anakin, Anakin. and Padme, Padme through the streets of Mos Espa. Yeah, yeah. they bust through the uh, big painting. Um, the, of, of, of Jabba, right. Yeah, right. And that was one of the fan art paintings in real life. But I guess if you dig into it, you could see Luke was removed. From there, um, which is which is kind of just a little cool Easter egg. Yeah, they the gang. As they're chasing him, they surround the major domo's vehicle. He's kind of attempting to fight them off one at a time. He's doing a ton of damage as he's driving through the town, just knocking right. over carts, hitting droids all over the place, taking out food stands. Food stands and- yeah. And then uh, Drash pulls the Anakin Skywalker in the pod. She goes up and over. She comes up and then down. She ends up. Landing right on top of the major domo's vehicle and it sends him spinning. I didn't like any 
of the chase part except for the last two things the drash going up which made which made me think of Anakin and then the obvious nod to back to the future with the the car spinning out and the fruits falling on him just like Biff with the uh, the manure truck falling uh, over there so um that I liked the little Anakin you know the the going up and over part all of the the visuals of how this was done uh, just it looked really poor it, it looked yeah. really poor you know yeah you know i'm i'm to me it 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 felt it just didn't work right there's just something we're we're so trained into the kind of speed of this universe that this is like i said the slowest space speeder chase ever um some of the green screen felt especially weak really bad it's like uh, when they went across the water there was this one moment where they kind of like skid on the water it was it looked it looked pretty bad pretty pretty poorly done for yeah 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 at the end of the day like this is a bunch of amateur kids chasing a mayor domo like you know it, it shouldn't be the coolest you know scene in the show and i'm ready to move on from it i just hope sure <laughs> uh for me it's just how we got there and the the plotting that is so um uh flimsy to me that mm-hmm. it you know even if it had been an awesome scene i just don't know how invested i would have been yep and boba flies in and he talks with the major domo uh where is he he says he's with the pikes the mayor's gone he's working with the pikes yeah so we're we're getting some little more here a little more information and we see a big ship arrive and dozens of pikes start to get off of it as one of the biker gang looks like they're kind of the playing the lookout for uh for boba as people arrive so he heads over to this uh little video chat and he calls boba he lets him know uh there are pikes here i know pike when i see one saw a dozen at least they arrived on the star liner <laughs> the line here boba see it was just like a line for a laugh where he said good work keep an eye on them yeah. Oh, sorry. It's an expression, and the kid says, "So you don't have to be sorry, mate. I paid a lot for this. I'm proud of my eye. Let us know what you see." So yeah. Fennec uh, says, "It's the first wave. They're going to war," and Boba says, "They will be ready." Yeah, uh, they're going to war against whom? Boba, right? Fennec, and those five kids. You know, I, I, that it was. You know, it's a line. It's supposed to be cool, but it actually made me think like. Why are they go- like? What is the inciting incident for them to be there? Um, are they going to war against the huts, and the huts are hoping that Boba takes care of the pikes for them? Or um, Boba, you have question. like, are you facing the huts, the pikes, the mayor? Yeah, you. Like you said you've got five people in your crew. You're not gonna. Yeah. You can't fight a war on two fronts here. Um, the, yeah, that's that's sort of the issue at the end. With this episode in what was an episode that just feels like there are were a lot of plot holes and it's hard, which episode three of a seven episode series, so we're about halfway, but it feels like we should have had a little bit more now. And out of these three episodes, the the first there were some times where it felt like we were moving kind of slow. The second, it felt like there was a lot that we got there, and then this, there were just really bits and pieces. So I'm 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 kind of putting a little pressure on the next episode 
and the next couple to hopefully flip, like you said, flip the way that we we're we're kind of thinking and feeling right now. This is something that Star Wars can do, and they do often. Marvel MCU does this a lot. The movies sometimes have a tough time with the third act. They get that, and then yeah. there'll be a cool post credit scene or mid credit scene, and kind of gets everybody excited for what's next. I think we're recording tonight, and they had a trailer for Moon Knight tonight. It's going to be the next. Oh. Uh, um, I think they just dropped it at halftime of the football game, which is going to be like the next uh, Marvel show, which starts in March. I think the end of March, March thirtieth. So, oh yeah, shit. A- I'm going to go watch that right after the yeah, right after we sign off here. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh. I, I, right before we popped on, I was seeing it come on on uh, at halftime of the game. So check that out. Also out there, if you're fans of uh, the MCU and Marvel, which I'm sure a lot of you who are listening to this are, and yeah, you know, we we gave it a lot of crap in the beginning. We gave it a lot of crap throughout. So anything else to put a bow on on it? You know, I'm I'm very much interested in many aspects of this show. I just want to spend a little bit more time in those. You know, now we know these kids are here. We got to find out more about them. Like we have to find out more about who they are, why they're there. Give us a reason to care about them. Yeah. And the Rancor, I like what's happening with him and Boba. Like you said, I'm a got a couple dogs myself, animal lover. So yeah. that is going to is going to get me feeling warm and fuzzy those interactions and those relationships and I'm going to I'm going to pop for seeing Boba ride that Rancor at some point. Um, like it just what the hell is going on with the huts? And if that was all just to introduce this rancor, yeah, it's I, yeah. You know. I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful that this was a a a head fake episode to get us thinking that things are are simpler than they are. Um, but we'll see, right? I mean, you know, every every show goes through scenes and sometimes episodes where they have to. Uh, uh, set the table for what's to come. And for better or worse, Filoni and Favreau have made the post, post-collapse Tatooine a pretty complicated landscape, right? We didn't even get into, you know, essentially, you know, we, we saw stuff in The Mandalorian with Mos Pelgo, uh, the Pikes are in Mos Eisley, Mos Espa's divided <laughs> between three families. Like, it's actually a pretty seems to be a pretty complex story they want to tell about this place. Uh, but but the the problem is they are just telling us about it and we're not really seeing a lot of it. We'll see what we get in episode four next week. Um, Matt, thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, I love that we can be honest and we don't ever have to feel weird about it because I think this is a. Uh, this is what's going to happen when you're going to have more and more content out there. It's inevitable. Like everything can't be great. This is a problem that MCU and Marvel is having to. Everything can't be end of the world, highest stakes in the world. There have to be some low level stuff. I'm fine with low level stuff. I we some of our favorite stuff was last week in the most in the some of the scenes that had no no dialogue. Right. Like, right. We we don't need to be wowed. We just need this kind of the things to be built better. You know, you got to build those worlds. The story's got to be built. We praise the world building of the Tuscans, and then we we enter this group and these characters who we don't have any reason to feel anything for them. We don't care. We know them. They're stealing water. Like, why do we care about them? Got to get a little more about them. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully we'll have a a flip next week. Hopefully, we'll be singing the praises and we'll uh, we'll get some cool rancor stuff and we'll get more with the Tuscans. I. 
I one thing I did notice about the Tuscans, the woman who I I think is the woman that he was really and united like we didn't see him put her or anything of hers. So there mm-hmm. are some of that group that made it out. I would imagine. Could be. Yeah, I, I don't think they're all gone. I think he's gonna run into them again at some point or reunite with another. I just can't imagine that now three episodes in, we're just completely done with flashing back to that part of Boba. So yeah. I'm hoping we get more of it because that's such a rich part of it. Yeah, I I I agree, and I think you know to kind of end on a more positive note, if we've been you know uh, critiquing, complaining about this show or this episode that we we didn't like as much. We've been doing it for an hour and a half, and it's because we love Star Wars so much. Which exactly. Is, right? it's like, you don't spend this much time complaining about something. And thinking about really everything and so. wanting it to be a, like a little bit more, make a little more sense or just be a little bit easier to digest, to understand, to follow what's going on. And we will be the first to circle back anytime. And, uh, and next week, hopefully, we have a, a just a, like a little bit of longer episode with just more that leaves us not asking so many questions at the end. That would be nice. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Matt Velasco will be here with us again next week as we get into episode four. We'll be, uh, yeah, next week we'll actually be on the uh, the halfway point and uh, on the road to episode seven of season one of the book of Boba Fett. Thanks so much, Matt, buddy. I appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again next week. Take care. Okay, folks, do not go anywhere. Still plenty more on this episode of That's What She Said. Yeah.